that's me. I've always been the reluctant social worker. I, I'm a big believer that businesses have the power to solve the biggest social problems. Um, and so while it's exciting to run a business and it's hard to make money and all that, um, I find it more exciting to figure out how to transform um, you know, someone who was peddling drugs in the streets or, or doing petty crime or was abused by his parents or abandoned by his parents. How do you transform that person into a professional, into a college student? At least it's radical and we can present it to the big companies and tell them, look, just have 5% of your workforce um, as these kids and look how, how their, li the li their lives change. The their whole family is lifted out of poverty once someone is a professional and a college graduate. That was Cree Lopez of Messi Bessie. My name is JP Alipio, and this is The Wildcast. Business will save the world. That is not a phrase you hear very often. Welcome to episode 22 of The Wildcast with Cree Lopez. Cree is the founder and CEO of Messi Bessie, a cleaning company that she started in her own little kitchen. And not only is it a cleaning company, it is a company that is helping change so many lives. So many disadvantaged youth, disadvantaged young adults have changed their lives through her company. Messi Bessie works with over 400 uh, at-risk youth and adults. And during this whole episode, an episode I think a lot of people nowadays should be listening to because she talks about how difficult it is to get out of that poverty bubble, the mentality that you're stuck with, uh, even the real neural problems that are associated with, with poverty, you know, the lack of motivation, um, a lot of these things. And a lot of it actually is from where you come from, how you grew up, and even the nutrition you've had. And Messy Bessie, as a company, has focused on bringing all of these at-risk youth to better lives. And she really says it in this whole podcast that giving one person that opportunity giving that one person in one family an opportunity to break out of that bubble to finish college to become a professional raises up the life of everyone in that family and this is something that is a shared experience by many 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 filipinos one person uplifts the whole family and truly messy bessie through its company through its business is changing so many lives, changing so much about how we perceive poverty and how we can solve poverty in this country. So I think this is an important episode for many Filipinos to listen to. If anything you should take from it is that poverty is a condition that we can all help fix and Something that Messi Bessie is willing to share with the world, share with bigger companies, and share with all of you. So here's Cree Lopez. Listen to her story. Hey Cree, thank you for coming on the Wildcast, and uh, of course we're talking me. to you because you're you're an interesting person. You have, of course, Messi Bessie and House Foundation. You've done quite a lot in the work that you do. No. Um, one of my first questions to ask actually is parang when you started this whole thing, it started off as something like a social calling. You wanted to help vulnerable youth. Why did you choose to set it up as a business rather than a foundation? Well, the reason is because um, I came from corporate when, and then I, I had quit. So, oops, that's Jack Jack, sorry. Anyway, I came from corporate and then I quit my job. And at that point, I was so sorry. 
That's fine. That's fine. That's We, fine. We've had okay. dogs on the podcast ah, okay, before, okay. including my. The he's barking at the tester. Anyway, um, I had come from corporate and I I was at that point so tired of relying on donations to get a development program going. And so that's why I really wanted to put up something that generated profit to make this to execute the social programs that I wanted to do. So that's why um, business was really something I was looking to. And then apart from that, I came from eight years of corporate world and I, I, I began to really appreciate corporate and business and everything in it, the creativity in it and all that. So I wanted to kind of merge the two. Business it's not a very social. common when when you started the whole thing was it 2007 2008 it wasn't a very common yeah. 2006 no parang it, it's not a common thing no social enterprise ngayon kasi it, it's it's quite a common common thing to have social enterprises but at the time when you started it parang like you said you know the more of the way to go through this thing is to create a foundation get donations and all of that and That's it's interesting that uh, you talk about it this way, no? Parang being a corporate, it's actually important. There's a lot of there's a lot of things you learned when you were in your corporate uh, world to to fund the business, no? I uh, I mean, like myself, I also sort of started in that way. Na parang we we get a lot of donations, and it's not sustainable. It's very hard to keep asking for money. It's yes. like you're con- constantly begging for money, but when you start uh, earning your own money for the work that you're doing, it it sort of helps um, drive you in any direction that you can you can do. Basically, you're not tied so much to the funding. Yes, money is freedom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so also another thing I think one of the things that you always talk about is like uh, basically keeping the business in the black. You know, parang How hard has that been for Messi Bessie over the years? A lot, I know a lot of because you have costs outside of, of basically producing the product and also selling it. No, you have other costs, which is you know the 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 vulnerable children and putting them through school. And how hard yeah. has it been for you over these years to keep Messi Bessie? Uh, so you know? it's yeah, it's super hard, <laughs> but I think what. Um, I've learned to see is the I call it like the invisible profit or you know the the benefits that we have for being a social enterprise. For, so for example, you're right. We have costs like we have an in-house counselor, we have psych institutes, um, and even the even the act of employing vulnerable people. Um, as part of your workforce, um, of course, there's some some inefficiency that you're gonna have to pay for by doing that. But over the years, and it's been 13 years, um, wow. I've also learned to see uh, the the upside of doing what we do. So, for example, for one thing, everyone's sense of purpose is really deep, and so everyone is motivated um, not by greed or by you know there's no rat race that's going on in the office in fact everyone is just always rallying around our our scholars our learners so that makes Mm -hmm. for a very productive a highly productive team um and then another invisible profit is um we also attract funders um and so by that maybe we don't have access to regular You know, loans and commercial loans, you know, just the regular banks, because it's hard for them to understand what we do. But on the other side, we have access to to funds that normal businesses don't. So these are um, nonprofit funds that, especially now, seek out social enterprises. So there's always an upside to it, I think. And I think um, when you enter a social enterprise, that's just what you have to remember to kind of find uh, the perks of being one, mm-hmm. if you're sincere in what you're doing, of course. Right, and is this something that you've always wanted to do, like as a child? Is it? Uh, I mean, how did you develop this whole, this whole enterprise and social consciousness? Was it something oh that you developed as an adult, or is it something that, you know, experiences as a kid sort of developed you into into you know being the Cri Lopez of today? Oh my gosh. Um. Well. Uh... 
a little bit. Like I've always been into social social development for sure. So yeah, I've always been into for some reason, I've always been into social development. I don't know why. Maybe it's because mom would take me to orphanages at a very young age. Um, or it's just in me because I would volunteer even in grade school, you know, to do these mm-hmm. social programs. So I always was drawn to it, but I always did not like it also. So um, I don't know if you remember Clueless. <laughs> Clueless, <laughs> yes, of, of course. Yeah, that was one of our iconic films that I watched a million times. And I don't know if you remember the teacher there who raised funds for the Biz- Biz- I mean, Pismo Beach Disaster. And mm. I always saw, saw social work as that, as something that's corny, that people um, I roll at. Um, and so... I've, so I've, that's that's me. I've always been the reluctant social worker. So even when I was applying for for college, I a part of me really wanted to to take up something like social development or something like that. But I was so conscious, image conscious. Mm-hmm. So I went ahead and um, um, took up you know business. And even after college, I took up a business you know a, a career in business. And so I, right. I'm that reluctant person. Um, and in my, as I grew up and became more mature <laughs> and cared less about what other people think, then I just, you know, gave in and said, okay, fine. I'm just going to go into development. Um, so mm. that's, that's kind of my story because I know a lot of people now and I, I envy them. I, they're into social enterprise and social development because it's really cool now, which is the way it should be. That's right. It's really, I mean, it's it, usong uso. <laughs> it's uso, it's cool. But our gen, my generation, it, it wasn't as cool. So I, I had to kind of cringe and go into it. That's how I, I mean, I'm just being candid. But that's really Yeah, I mean, I basically, parang at that time, people would say, Anong gagawin mo dyan? You're not going to make any money. Uh, exactly. You know, yung parang, parang it's not really a career path that was, it, it's not a career path that existed at the time. No? Yeah, and it's not a shiny, shiny job. But I think that's also why now a part of me really looks at it more as a design or engineering job because you're here to solve problems. It's not so much that you're a bleeding heart, but mm-hmm. that's how I'd, I'd like to see it as. And that's, I think, how people should approach problems too. It's really to solve it. It's not to feel bad and all that, right? So we're here right. to solve mm-hmm. problems. And how did you jump? Like you started this whole thing in your kitchen, right? mixing stuff you googled your first yeah, yeah. recipes on the internet yeah. and you were mixing stuff in your kitchen and how did you jump from the kitchen you know because a lot of people have a difficult time I, i'm seeing so many entrepreneurs now in this lockdown and they're all starting in their kitchens but everybody's starting in their kitchens and yes. parang, how did you jump from the kitchen to i don't know now you have what 300 were employees in in messy Bessie basically no, no, almost 200 of us so half of us around 80 to 90 of us are scholars and the rest mm-hmm. of us are staff yeah still yeah, a lot. so 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 how do you do that how do you how do you make that transition i mean it's not it's not an easy thing for a lot of no. people to make that leap right yeah you know what i mean it it sounds magical but it was really just hundreds of days of grinding it I mean just showing up at work every day even if you don't know what to do (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. and then taking some risks so I think for startups at least for me in my experience the biggest risk was hiring people even if you couldn't afford it and then paying rent even if you can't afford it so those are always the two biggest um, biggest financial kind of risks when you bet you know you take a bet um, yeah definitely parang for a lot of home businesses that's that's the that's something that parang it's very difficult to do because you're when it's just you you're not paying anybody all the profits go to yourself including yourself and, <laughs> and, and including yourself you know parang but but then when you when you start hiring other people you start having to drive profit diba parang you need to you need to make money yeah. or else you can't now, pay the people you can't pay the rent and all of these things yeah now you have an overhead but i think um i was able to attract people because 
uh, because of the sincerity of the work I think that I did in the first couple of years. So that that was able mm-hmm. to attract you know good people to want to join. So I think that's the first step. Build something that's worth joining. That someone from a good college is willing to say, okay, I want to join you, even if it's unsure. So make it exciting, more than just a product, right? And then um, the mm-hmm. second thing I think that worked with me is I, I was very transparent with the people I hired. I showed them the numbers. I said, this is how much I'm making. This is pretty much your salary. So when you come in here, we're going to have to make this much to cover it. If not, you're, you, you're going to have to leave because we can't afford you. So yeah, being candid and transparent, I think is another thing. Wait, am I positive? Yeah, <sighs> negative. Okay. What? Yes. Sorry. Negative. Okay, you're negative. <laughs> you know, Congratulations, you're negative. We're both negative. Yes. <gasps> anyway. Of course, you're negative. <laughs> anyway, I feel so much better. Anyway, sorry. The <laughs> record yon. Anyway, so second. Yeah. Is, so anyway, parang yun nga, parang uh, being candid and transparent about your finances. Um, with the people you hire. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also okay. saw the magic of hiring people. So I remember hiring my first two two managers. They earned 30000 each a month, um, which is big. Um, mm-hmm. And our sales yeah, was it's big. That's a, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then our sales This is was in 2012, was it? Or no, maybe 10? 2009 or ten. Okay. Oh, yeah. um, that's yeah. really big for 2009. <laughs> yeah, but you know, these people came from good schools, eh? um, UP mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and all these schools. So I think I offered between 25 and 30. Our sales, though, was only 60,000 a month. So if you can imagine, oh, you, wow. you obviously can't afford. But as soon as they joined, we like tripled our sales right away. So that was like an eye opener to me. And I told myself, that's a really good them. lesson, you know? Yeah. Um, if you hire the right people, parang it really does pay head. dividends. Yeah, an extra person. And always, this one I learned from corporate, to always hire people smarter than you. I notice a lot of entrepreneurs also um, hire, you know, assistants, but they're not really that good. Um, yes. So you have to pay more to get, you know, the kind of people that you want. Um, and then you, there's really results if, if you do it properly. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And but that's that's something that's very difficult for a lot of entrepreneurs to do, diba? Parang sometimes you yeah. have to pay these people more than you pay yourself. So it's it's something oh, yeah, that's sort of very hard. <laughs> people get more than me until today. Uh, but... Oh well, there you go. <laughs> so. And and my for me, I like getting. Um, either less or the same as the best people. I don't like getting more because I always feel like they're busier than me, they're better than me. That, but that's a personal thing. And that then makes the sense. Other thing, yeah. And then the other thing is rent, JP. That's the other masakit um, expense. Mm. It's huge, right? And usually these places you have to pay three months, six months in advance. Um, so that's, that's big. Right. And that's when you already need financing. Um, but you know, and usually it's just family and friends, right? Who who will lend you mm-hmm. money? And this is the time when it's important that you build a brand that is compelling for people to to lend you money. So I'm lucky because Messy Bessie's branding was quite strong. So I already had people outside of my husband who was willing to lend money, um, and that kind of gave me also the push to okay, maybe this is okay. And until today. Um, I always have those thoughts that, okay, maybe some people are still willing to buy the business. So that kind of gives you the, it's, it's kind of. It's valuable, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it gives you, yeah, you're not too scared to keep going because there's value. Exactly. There's value already in the company. Um, Yeah. So those, so build, build the brand, build value, um, hire the best people you can. And you, I mean, you mentioned a while ago that how difficult, you know, there's there's sort of you're starting already a little bit behind when you work with, you know, vulnerable, abused or or, or poor children um, in, in your in your company. And young adults, how adults, young, young adults, yeah, young adults, sorry, <laughs> young adults. But how difficult is it to to sort of fill that gap and, and how 
I, I know you've had problems before with with the young young adults that you've you've taken in to your company and how yeah. do you, how do you sort of respond to all of these things? Well, well obviously it's difficult but it's also what we signed up for. Um and it's what excites me personally. Like I really like solving problems. Um and so while it's exciting to run a business and it's hard to make money and all that, um I find it more exciting to figure out how to transform um, you know, someone who was peddling drugs in the streets or, or doing petty crime or was abused by his parents or abandoned by his parents. How do you transform that person into a professional, into a college student thriving? So that excites me. Um, and yeah, so yeah, it's hard, but it's what we signed up for. If we were just a business, I don't think I would be as passionate um, but because we face those unique problems and unique situations, then it also requires a different kind of organization. Like we have people who are experts on that side, on personal development, on learning and all that. It's very exciting to me when it's something new right. and something that's never been done. Yeah. But again, yeah. that's personal. Um, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I mean, it's very difficult. No? Parang, in a way, you're a company that sort of invests in its employees, but these employees are already pretty behind. If you hired like regular people to work in the company, you know, so parang parang as a yeah. business person, if you look at them on paper, they're a bad investment. But then you're investing yeah, anyway. In fact, a, a big bank who we approached maybe four years ago, five years ago for a loan. I remember the the guy was looking at our financials and explaining the model. And at the end, he said, you mean you hire unskilled laborers? <laughs> that's the only thing he got out of it. And then, of course, denied. But um, yeah, that's exactly it if you're just looking at it from a business point of view. Yeah, right? Because they're unskilled. They, all, they have all these problems coming in, which you sort of yeah. have to fix a little bit or... or or modify or something, um, not just problems yeah. with financials, but also, you know, just the attitude itself, which is, yes. parang, you have to su- super invest role. in all of these things, no? Yeah, so I think what's exciting now that we are, we are old and um, our model has been proven is exactly that. We have a new model that we're very excited about. And now, now I'm busy talking to big companies, telling them, look at what we've done. Look at what we continue to do. Um, and now, can you do also what we're doing on a bigger scale? And that's my dream, right? To to encourage more businesses to take in working students to adapt our very simple, we have very simple ways to address mm-hmm. what you were mentioning, like the psych- psychosocial problems, financial literacy, and all these things. Um, we've been doing it for a long time. Our dropout rate is less than 5% already. Uh-huh. Um, wow, we have college really graduates good. every year. We just celebrated. I know you saw it. So, yeah, I mean, it's something. I mean, we're still small, right? Our business is small, but I think we have proven that a business can run um, with half of us. As and it's that's quite radical. Now, half of us are the at-risk youth, but um, at least it's radical, and we can present it to the big companies and tell them, look, just have five percent of your workforce. Um, as these kids, and look how how their li- the li- their lives change. The, their whole family is lifted out of poverty once someone is a professional and a college graduate. So it's it's the impact is so compelling to me. Um, that's why I'm very passionate about trying to spread it. So so you're you're willing to share the method to everyone so that it's copied because I know a lot yeah. of people won't be willing to share it. But parang this is ours. This is our brand and. And for you, parang you want all these big companies, the Unilevers and the Procter and Gamble's of the world, to to sort of copy you to to help you know the these the 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 at risk youth in in our communities. Yeah, I mean, at the core of it, we just really want to help as many as we can the best way we can. So if that means sharing our proprietary work, then go ahead. It's okay. It's not. It's not important to us. What's important to us is more kids are hired. So, you know, I even went as far as maybe even at one point selling the business um, to someone who's more capable of scaling it. Mm-hmm. And that means we're able to help more kids. And that's okay, too, with me. 
um, this lockdown has made me realize that, that, you know, if we're very sincere um, with that pure goal of helping as many as we can, the best way we can, then we, we give our tools for free. We share it for free. Um, and we let go of the company if, if, if we need to. As long if as, that's what's going to get what you want done. No? Yeah, and more kids, right? I mean, it's hard. Yeah. The consumer goods business is a very hard industry to be in. Um, and I'm not sure how capable we are as the years ago. Right. But right now, you're paying... Messi Bess is profitable now, right? You're not break-even anymore. Well, not during the lockdown. <laughs> but um, yeah, we, we, are, we were okay. Uh, now we're struggling. Okay, so so even with even with basically your you're selling all of these cleaning materials, uh, it's more difficult. I mean, I I would think Messi Bessie would have been a good business to be in during this whole pandemic. Yeah, yeah, it's very good. I mean, I know we are faring better than many other businesses, um, but you know, pre lockdown, half of our sales was from kiosks in malls. Um, so which is gone. gone now. Yeah, it's gone. And then um, our online has has increased significantly, but it's not our, our core competence. So we're struggling. We we did struggle to make it work, but now we're we're kind of getting better. It took us a few months to figure it out. Um, because it used to be maybe 10% of our sales, um, online sales, but now it's more than half. So oh, wow. And then even the, the behavior of the consumer has changed too. And so we had to ad, uh, adjust to that. So for example, pre-lockdown, um, we would sell a lot of the small, very, very small handy on-the-go mm-hmm. products. Now, now nobody's on-the-go, right? So Right, so they buy the big ones. Everyone's buying big. And then on the other side, their suppliers are not open or you know they're just slowly opening. So it's it's a very disrupted supply chain right now so we're slowly yeah so that's why does this include like your suppliers for chemicals and and essential oils and all of these things yeah so everyone and then bottles and all that so and we're the problem with us is we're small i mean the challenge is we're small so these suppliers will always you're last in line yeah we're last in line right so I, I was watching the, the graduation that you just had. You know, you had your yeah, graduation for yeah. for the kids. Yeah, and so uh, pretty amazing. No? That, when that, it's virtual. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you've graduated, what, is it now 50, about 50, 50 young adults uh, from college? Is, it, is that correct? I think so, yeah. I think we're at that number. Two, two years ago, you had about 28 or something like that. And uh, I mean, yeah, by now, it should be about... Last year, we had a lot. Yeah. So maybe at that number. I don't have the exact number. But yeah, we do have college graduates every term, actually. Because they're all irregulars. But right. we celebrate and, it yearly. And your target for 2020 was to help 500 vulnerable youths. Have you reached this? I mean, given we've had the, this pandemic. Um, no, we have not. I think we're already at 400 plus. But help okay. is, help, you, I, I, I use that very lightly. Um, I mean, we don't have 400 graduates, right? So 400 plus young adults have entered in our program. Uh, many mm-hmm. of them unfortunately entered when we weren't so good yet at what we were doing. So help is in quotes. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, but yeah, now now it's more solid. But with this lockdown, of course, we had to slow down um, our social work as well. But I'm mm-hmm. really, really big on partnerships now, alliances. That's why I'm talking to the bigger companies because I think that's really the way to to make wider impact. Oh, definitely. They have the resources, they have the reach, they have yes. the distribution, all of these things. And they yeah, have the money and, at the moment, you know. So Yeah, they have the money. And a lot of the, especially the multinationals, they understand what we do. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm very hopeful that I'll, I'll be able to secure partnerships by the end of the year. And we need it more than ever, right? Inequality yeah. is going to widen. Um, For sure, yeah. If it, if not already, yeah. Yeah, I think so the the estimate is something like twenty percent of 
of Filipinos will lose their jobs or their businesses. So, so obviously, there's going to be a cascading effect on that. Yeah, it's tough. And, you know, these people, like the kids that we help, the young adults that we help, um, they're really left, if you, if you study their lives, they're really left out of a bubble that we're all in, right? There's no chance for them to go to school, no chance for them to, to get a job. It's really tough for them. Um, and there's no way for them to get in unless you're someone like Arnell, um, JP, the one who spoke in the graduation, right? But That's, that's like, right, yeah. That's a needle in a haystack, right? The people who have that grit and that gift to get yourself out. Um, but other than that, it's really hard for people to, 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 what's the word, to revive themselves or to, to get themselves out of poverty. Yeah, um, there's, a, there's a parang mentality um, yes. that sort of prevents gonna... them from, from moving forward. No? And I, I was listening to the speeches of two of your graduates, see Garwin Pineda and Pauline Bakay. Wow, and you remember their names? Yeah, they're they're not graduates. I wrote it down. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, but, but they were awardees. They were awardees. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 parang there's a theme in their speeches where parang sino ba naman ako? I'm nobody, and you know, here you guys are doing all of these things for them, and there's yeah. like this theme of family and faith for both of them. No, parang they never thought they would get out of this, but once they do get out. Like you said, no, parang their whole family gets out because that's that's the first thing. Even even Arnell talked about it in his speech. Na parang yeah. I did this because I want to help my family. And and yeah. for both of your your graduates, parang sa kanila family talaga yung uunahin nila, di ba? Parang I want to take care of my family. I want to take care of my siblings, my brother, my sister, and all of yeah. that. And and like for us, kasi um that's not something we've had to think about, di ba? Parang yeah. You graduate college, whatever money you earn, you earn it for yourself. You're it's not yours, yeah. <laughs> it's yours. You're not you're not sending money home or 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 all of these different things that they would have to deal with. Um so parang umpisa pa lang, they're already slower in terms of developing their careers because they're sending money, they they can't, you know, build their house kaagad or yeah. or do whatever they want because they're sort of tied to that kind of life. And, and even just be- them, right? yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because um, you know, hunger, parang keeping my siblings hungry, or I'll I'll buy myself something. So yeah, you're right. It's really tough. They're they're starting five steps behind everyone else. But I think the other thing that that they're disadvantaged with is the you you mentioned it earlier, right? The mentality or. Yeah. You know, the psychologists sometimes call it learned helplessness or um, sometimes if you go through trauma also, there's all these things. So um, sometimes uh, they're misunderstood. People say, oh, you know, you're, they're so tamad, not motivated and all that. And that that's not true at all. I mean, maybe it's true in terms of what you see or what you perceive, but the reason behind the lack of motivation or the lack of drive are really deep and it's really not their fault. Right, they go. Through, they grow up in families where nobody believed in them, or they were abused, or um, all these other things that really affect how you make decisions and how you go through life. So that's that's one thing that many people don't address, and that keeps them out of the bubble for a long time. Um, so yeah, that's exactly. Also, I think what our program does is we address those those issues that many people kind of just turn their head, turn their head, right? They don't really want to see it. Um, and I think just that, giving them the attention, eh, parang most companies, as as we've talked about, parang they wouldn't really hire them because they're bad on paper. <laughs> parang yeah, yeah. They're unhirable automatically or, you know, you wouldn't invest your money in them. But kayo kasi, parang you point a light in their direction and just that action already has an effect on them, eh? has an effect on their mentality, has an effect on how they see themselves as more important, you know, as contributing members of society. Yeah, so the dignity of work um, they get. But uh, but we're not experts, right? So that's why we, we go to neuroscience and we go to the experts um, to figure out how best to to treat them. Not treat, but to... to 
relate with them. Um, so that's what we've done also. So it's not just uh, providing work. It's not just providing school. So it's really using science to, to develop them um, and address their, the setbacks that they have in their brain. So it's neuroscience already. So that excites me. Right, I, I remember you sent me an article, I think last year, about yeah. how poverty sort of disrupts something in your brain or makes it yes. less developed. You have a less developed part of your brain. Is that is that yes. correct? So the prefrontal cortex, which is the executive function of the brain, the one in front. So people who go through trauma um, at an early in, in their childhood or even poverty, which is already something traumatic, that people have found out that that part of the brain is underdeveloped. Like you do an MRI and it's actually physiologically underdeveloped. Um, and so mm-hmm. what, what we found out was there are ways also, the good news is there are ways to rewire this part of the brain. So the brain is plastic, right? It's a muscle. So you can, you can exercise it. So that's what we do in Messy Bessy. I think that's one of the really very unique things we do is we, we look to neuroscience to rewire that part of the brain. And so this part of the brain is the one that's um, responsible for critical thinking. So the one that says, if I do this, then, then you do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes people are actually not capable of thinking that way. That's why pala in the beginning, you know, we would do counseling sessions for hours and it wouldn't work because there's just no capability to understand what we were trying to say. So before... We, we used to say, you know, we were very ignorant and we used to say things like, you know, don't you realize how lucky you are? You're in this lot, blah, blah, blah. So it's very, that was very arrogant and ignorant of us to do. Um, but now we know better. Um, it's really not because they don't see it. It's because they can't. So that's the big difference. Mm-hmm. And so now um, we use these simple tools, you know, to practice the brain, to set goals, meet it, set goals, meet it. Um, to look at the big picture. So it, it's it's very simple. It's not rocket science. It's neuroscience, though. <laughs> and so that's this is what we really use to to improve their attitude um, and to address psychosocial issues. So apart from nice. the fact that we, we let them pay for their own schooling, so that's also a big factor. There's no dole out. Um, okay. The other thing we do so, is... So it's the money they earn is what they use to pay for their schooling. Yeah, so that's also the one very, very unique thing that we do. They pay for their own schooling. Who, who can say they've done that, right? I couldn't even have done that when I was their age, when I was 19. Same with me. <laughs> so. <laughs> so these kids, they earn minimum wage um, and they pay for their own schooling. Um, it's wow, amazing. That's amazing. So, yeah, so they, they, and then they, they develop a resume that's so robust also. Um, and so by the time, so the five graduates that you saw yesterday, their resume is much better than anyone who graduated from the top schools because they've already done accounting and marketing and social work and uh, very diverse resumes that they have. Right, right. It's, it's all this parang work experience that they have even just, just before they even graduate, no? parang courtesy of, of Messi Bessi. So... Yeah, really well, not adds just messy, messy, but we also we also partner with other businesses. So the way it works is on their third year or fourth year, we we really try to deploy them already to partner businesses so that they can also experience other cultures, other kinds of work. Um, and then it frees up space for us so we can take in more kids um, as freshmen or as, as, okay. as new ones. Yeah. And how many of the graduates come back to Messy Bessie and work for you? Like, um, So maybe around 20% of our staff now are Messy Bessie graduates. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. So yeah, a big number. Um, maybe it's their comfort zone. I try to... It, it's, it's, sorry, yeah, those beeps are heard, no? That's no, no. I'll turn it off. I don't hear it. No. Oh, good. Anyway, um... The graduates, yeah. So a lot of them choose to stay because they want to pay it forward. I'm sure it's also a comfort zone thing. Um, and then, so we're always we're always conflicted because a lot of the managers want to keep them, um, and then us social workers want to push them out. You know, so yeah, but it's a good problem. Um, and they yeah. have to if they if they choose to stay with Messy Bessie, they have to apply 
um, as a normal applicant. So it's not... Okay, so they go through the normal parang application process, hindi automatic. Na may, because you were here, you get hired automatically. Yes. Humina ba my voice? Kasi my AirPods parang... Anyway. Is it okay? No, they're ba? fine. Yeah, it's, it's okay. 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 Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you've done all of these things with the kids. Is there like instances, I'm sure there are, no? Parang na, you've done everything you can and still you fail with, with the children and the young adults that you work with. Oh, yeah, a lot. Um, it, it's hard, you know, especially when in the, it's an integrity issue like theft or something like that. Doesn't happen a lot. But when those things happen, it's, it's a non-negotiable for us. Um, and so mm-hmm. they're going to have to leave. We've, we've had cases also, some of the graduates who we were always near giving up on them already. That's why I was so happy with this, with this year's graduation because it was proof that it was worth not giving up on. Um, you have to understand, mm-hmm. these are troubled teens, right? And so they, right. have, they, they make a lot of irrational decisions and all that. And their behavior is quite irrational too. Um, so yeah, it's hard, but uh, we still are a business. So we do have policies like any business. Maybe we're just more lax. So for example, um, if a normal business allows three absences, maybe we allow double. And then okay. of course, we're also more compassionate. So we do have counseling. So for example, if you're absent many times, we sit you down and talk to you and ask you why. So that's not a, what a normal business does. They don't really care. Um and so, yeah, so we do those things. But if at some point it, it's really not workable and they're really, um, you know, it, it's really tough, then we do let them go. Uh, but we do have a policy, uh, regardless of the reason of why you left, we do have a policy for them to always um, have the chance to reapply anytime they want. So anyone who leaves can reapply. They just have to show three to six months of um, working somewhere else and proving okay. to us that they, they've been able to hold that job. Like prodigal children. Yeah. I mean, it's hard because, you know, we're kind of the safety net already. Um, That's right. It's very painful for us social workers <laughs> to tell them that there's no chance here anymore. Um, so it's, it's, it's selfish also of us to do that, but also selfless. Uh, they, have, mm-hmm. they can come back anytime. Yeah. And how do you find these kids? I forgot to ask. No, parang how do you find all of these young adults who are troubled? Um, you know, parang do they just come in? Do they just apply? Or how does it happen? There are so many. Many of them are already referred by each other. By others who are in Mesibesi. Yeah. Um. Some go through organizations that know about us. Um, so they say, do you have slots? We have kids who are looking for a job. So, or, or some communities we're in touch with, like in Tondo. Most of our kids are from Tondo. Okay. Um, understand that we know. Uh, it's the most depressed and the most densely populated community in Manila. And so most of them are from mm-hmm. there. Um, but yeah, I mean, my gosh, there's like 5 million of them out there. So these are out yeah. of school. And out more of every day. Job. Yeah, that's the that's the very very distressing part. Um, it's a growing number, so that's why, right in the graduation, I really tried to emphasize to be grateful because to have a job now is really a blessing. Yeah, yeah, and like now, now is a difficult time. No, how how are you adapting the business to this whole? pandemic and how you know like you mentioned a while ago consumer consumer behavior has changed uh there's so many restrictions uh how are you adapting the whole thing well obviously um the digital transformation right so everyone's doing that um so less kiosks we're closing down kiosks and then just more online presence um, which also means we also are kind of fast tracking the training of everybody um, now everyone's learning how to handle e-commerce um, and it requires certain skills that many of us didn't have before. So there's a lot of skill development. And then product also, um, we're, we're also trying to be relevant um, now. So bigger sizes, we had a fruit and veggie wash that came out last month. 
we fortified our favorite scent with alcohol. Um, we have more industrial cleaners that are sanitizers. Um, so yeah, kind of a more shift to to really sanitizing sanitizers, disinfectants, and all that. Um, okay. So yeah, it's a lot of it's very it's exciting, but at the same time very uh, dynamic and tiring at times. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. And how has the the whole thing affected your? I mean, the staff and, and I mean, their home lives must be quite different now. And just getting to work is difficult, right? So, so how yes. has the, it affected them? Oh, well, most of us are working from home. So the people who go to, to work are only the ones who need to be there, like the ones who produce okay. products or the ones who pick and pack um, for the orders. Uh, and it's hard because... Um, many of us live in Tondo. So the ones in Tondo, we don't even tell them to go to work because it's a high, it's a high risk community. Exactly. Um, it's so dense. Um, and then the other challenge that we have is our, so we have 90 students, right? So apart mm-hmm. from their formal education, we also usually give them um, supplemental lessons every week. Um, but we have the issue of internet, we have the issue of infrastructure, uh, and so that's another challenge we have. So we're able to do it. We're able to continue our online classes, online mentoring. Very crude as of this point, but we're addressing that too. So yeah, there's so many things going on. Um, we're just really trying to survive. And then with all the changing policies of the government, we're also trying to keep up with that. Um, how many right. times they have to be tested, uh, what we need to do if someone's positive and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a difficult time for everyone right now. No, I don't. I don't think there's a business that's going through this like easily, even if even the ones that are making money. Yeah, no, because it's it's really tough, and you know people are also scared to go to work, right? Yep. So you have to address, yep. and then people are also mentally stressed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, I've been here in a nice area and i'm mentally you stressed you have nature you have a natural um anti-anxiety pill yeah right plus i have two dogs now so that that oh, sort yeah, of helps congrats. yes <laughs> yeah okay so um last question is there like a lesson you'd like to share to people who you know there's a lot of people who look up to you a lot of people who are starting their businesses now in lockdown. You know, there's there's tons of bakers, there's tons of <laughs> home home businesses that are starting. It's What's good, like a yeah. lesson that you can impart to all of them? Hmm. Well, you know, I still don't consider myself an expert, but what I'm very passionate about, if I, it's not already obvious, is, you know, the, the social part of what we do. And I really hope, and especially now in these times when the challenges are just infinite um, and growing, um, I think, I really hope that all these entrepreneurs and budding entrepreneurs also try to tackle a real social problem and, and, and approach it like a problem solver. So mm-hmm. I, I'm a big believer that businesses have the power to solve the biggest social problems because we have the resources. We also have the creativity, right? Businesses are so used to solving problems um, in very tight constraints. Like just imagine like that marketing team that comes out with a very good campaign with a limited budget or an HR department that, that motivates their staff to do something that's not easy to do. So I think it's a very unique uh, sensibility that businesses have to make money. And I think that same sensibility can be used to solve problems. And it not only can it be used, I think it should be used to solve problems. Um, yeah. And yeah. I hope that that's what these Ube Pandasal bakers will also think <laughs> of one day. One day. <laughs> one, day you know, one day. One, one problem at a time. There are so many. Um, and yeah. it's more make work more exciting too when when you when you tackle social problems. And that was Cree Lopez and her messy Bessy story. Can you imagine how many of you will be coming off listening to this podcast and thinking, oh, 
my business can change the world. And Cree is one of those people who has really led the way in creating an environment where businesses can also make a huge difference in the lives of people. They can become social enterprises before even it was a popular thing to be in a social enterprise. She has worked with so many at-risk youth over the last 13 years that it's amazing the work that they've done and the learnings that have come off of the work of Messi Bessi. Those learnings in itself are so valuable. In fact, probably more valuable than the company combined because of the impact that they can create for so many people in poverty. Especially now, uh, during the podcast, we actually talked that 20% of Filipinos were going to lose their jobs and the numbers just came out and it's double that. It's 45% of Filipinos losing their jobs and right now, work much like what Messi Bessie is doing becomes so much more important to Filipinos and to uplifting the lives of our fellow countrymen here. So much so that Cree just said she's actually willing to sell her company if it means helping more people. If it means it goes to somebody or some other company that is able to scale the work that they do. And this is a very, very important thing for for a lot of companies, a lot of NGOs as well. Thinking that you can only do so much and in order to really affect change over such a large uh, population or a country, we need to start working with other people, start working with companies and with companies that are bigger than us, that are better than us, that can scale up for the future of this nation. So thank you everybody for listening to the Wildcast. And again, we're I'm still amazed we're at 22 episodes now and so many, so many um, episodes coming up with very, very interesting people. Uh, and next episode, of course, episode 23 of the Wildcast, I have a special guest who, after the Holo bombings and Mindanao once again in the news is a very important guest to be listening to. I have Martin San Diego and he talks about his work in Mindanao and why conflict keeps occurring simply because like Cree's job, we've not really solved the problems of Mindanao. It's not just about capturing all of these um, terrorists, but about solving the primordial problems that bring them to this state, bring them to this point of no return. So next week on the Wildcast, I have Martin San Diego, and I'm looking forward to sharing his story with all of you. Thank you for listening.